0: Please turn with me Second 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 11-13 and chapter 7, 2-4. Let's pray and read the word of the Lord. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to sing praises unto you and you alone who are worthy. Father, the amazing things that you have done. And yet, Father, the amazing things you shall accomplish. Father, as we look at these ten points of what love is, and what does it look like from the temporal side? Father, I ask that you open our hearts that we may see, we may feel, we may be overwhelmed by the amazing things that you do. Father, thank you. Thank you for drawing us this day. Thank you for your precious book, your holy Bible. Father, thank you for your spirit indwelling your people. And Father, thank you for your precious bride, your church. So we look at Paul and his ministry Father, I pray that we are swayed, or pushed, or begged, besieged to walk in a manner worthy to your glory and praise. Amen. Eleven through thirteen of chapter six, seven, two, and four. Our mouth was opened freely to you, O Corinthians, our heart is open wide. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now, in like exchange, I speak to you as children open wide to us also. Chapter seven. Make room for us in your hearts. We wronged no one. We corrupted no one. We took advantage of no one. I do not speak to condemn you, for I have said before that you are in our hearts. To die together, to live together. Great is my confidence in you. Great is my boasting on your behalf, and I am filled with comfort, and I am overflowing with joy in all of our afflictions. The Apostle Paul has moved into this section, and then there's a brackets, uh, a section on not associating with certain people. But then he, the brackets are made up of what I constitute as love. Okay? and it is he never uses the word, but it in its terminology, it is the actions of love it's like uh when you see the love chapter in first Corinthians thirteen okay one of the things that is just mind boggling to me about yours and my, the way we define love is we don't ever use it as a verb. And yet, if you go through 13, it's a verb. It is an action. There's a, it, it, there's a lot of times that we say we love somebody, but our actions don't validate that. And when you love somebody, the action is seen. There are times, you know, I hear people say, well, you know, my husband or my wife never says that I, that they love me. Okay, but what does their actions say? Because that's the key, because when I look at agape love, agopan, it is an action. It has got nothing to do with emotion. It ain't got nothing to do with sentimentalism. It has to do with what is the action. What does their life show me? Jesus so loved the world, right? What was his action? Do you see that? Okay, he didn't like he had to run around and tell everybody, you know, I love you. He says, no, I will give a sin sacrifice for humanity, my son. That's love. That's love. And you know, but I watch people and they says, well, because, you know, I, I've had two kids who've gotten married and and I watch it and it's that... <laughs> Oh gee, you're like, whoa, man, you're not getting this. Um They tell me they're in love. But what it is is romance. Every time it's romance, they do the batting of the eyes and oh, we're going to go watch a movie together. That ain't love. I've seen movies. They're goofy. No. But he's still trying to get it. Isn't this, oh, pitter, 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 pitter. Hard, 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 hard. No. Okay, because you know what? You marry that person, in 20 years you're going to be going, what was I thinking? And if the action ain't there at the beginning, it gets a lot harder later. If the action is there in the beginning, then you don't have to prod it out of them. We get into the stuff that you know that is so pleasing to my eyes and to making me feel this well. So what will that do for me? That's what I want. Well, that ain't love. That's pure selfishness. Okay, and that's that's why I tell my told my kids, both of my kids, uh, my daughter and my son, look at the parents. I mean, when Jim got married, I said you need to look at Sasha's mom. Okay. And he's like, what? Yeah, go look. Because that's what's coming. But, you know, and everybody says, well, little short, fat person, that, much. I don't want that. No, that ain't what I'm talking about. What is her spiritual condition at this point in her life? If she's an infant in Christ and she's been married for 40 years, guess what? You're going to have your hands full. Okay, same thing with my daughter. I said, go look. At Ivan's father, because how he treats his mother, the spiritual leadership and or lack of it is what you're going to have to deal with. And you know what? Both of my kids have come back and said. You were right. OK, but see, they've already committed into it. All right. so <laughs> You know, it's to death. Do your part. And so, and you can't hire a murderer, no. But, but what I try to get people to understand is the spiritual condition of your love will be seen in the parents. If there's a lack of spiritual condition in the parents, then you know there's going to be a problem with the spiritual condition of that person that you quote unquote love. Okay? And, and, and it's tough. It is extremely difficult. As a father, you sit back and you watch it and you says, hey, I warned you. I mean, if you tell somebody the bridge is out and they drive off the bridge, <laughs> told you. All right. But you know what? They've all come together and they're drawing back to truth. And once you do that, but they all had to go through the proverbial. I don't know whether I'd call it bumps in the road or road rash. But either way, they're growing. But there was a lot of things that could have been dealt with ahead of time if they would just listen. Because you and I, I guarantee you what you classify as love at best is that parental love. Okay, that is not agape love. Okay, parental love says this child or this parent is mine. Okay, I didn't have a choice in picking my parents or my kids. This is what I got. But there is a love there because, you know what? We've walked a lot of miles together. That is not agape love. Agape love says, I will pick the nastiest, worst thing I can find, and I will love it unconditionally. And let me tell you something. If you ain't got divine intervention trying to do that, (laughs) we'll all know it. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to explain to us. When you're in ministry, that has got to be your single greatest force. What is my love? How does my love look? All right. that's what he's dealing with here. He made this statement in verse 11. Our hearts are open wide. Now, listen, there's people attacking the integrity of the apostle Paul. And one of the things they were attacking is that he is just using the church for his own personal gains. All right. How far from the truth can you get on that one? Now listen, I'm not saying that there aren't people out there in quote-unquote ministry who are not using people for personal gains. That's not what I'm saying. But I would never say that about the Apostle Paul. Okay, I mean, that's, that's crazy. But one of the things that I want you to think about is that if you want to get the integrity so that you can disqualify the man's teaching, just to let out. He doesn't love you. What's the basis for? Well, he didn't send me a card on my birthday. He doesn't love me. He didn't remember my anniversary. He didn't love me, dude. I I got married on Memorial Weekend because that's what I, so I could remember my anniversary. You know they moved the date on that thing. I got robbed. Because I had this all planned. I'll just give a more a weekend. I'll get married. And then I'll never forget my anniversary. And all of a sudden, I, well, what day is it? Memorial weekend? Well, you know, that's the 30th or the 25th. Or, it's somewhere in there. Okay. And, 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 you know, <laughs> a bunch of cheaters who did that to me. It was intentional. But you get people who will say, well, you know, he didn't, I remember driving down, uh, what is it? Perry now that they've got it all widened, okay. and I was driving down to there, somebody from this fellowship was standing on the corner there, and I didn't wave at him when I went by. I didn't run over him either. okay. And they got mad and started to stink in the church. Well, he didn't wave at me. I waved at him. Sorry. My love is growing cold. That's the kind of stuff that I think about people throwing at the Apostle Paul because they're just trying. What is that? You know, they don't love you. You know, they don't love you. And, you know, I remember early in my ministry, anytime somebody wanted me to come to anything, I went. Okay, I didn't matter what it was. I mean, well, except Tupperware party. I ain't going to Tupperware party. Okay, but anything short of that, I'd go to it. You know, my kid's birthday is this, my bar mitzvah, whatever it was, bar mitzvah. But anyway, um, he threw all these things out there, and I would go to him. Then I realized that I was just going all the time for no reason. And I said, you know what? This isn't ministry. And I remember a, guy, a friend of mine sitting me down, saying, "Understand the tyranny of the urgent." Because everybody who has a problem, it's urgent. But it will become a tyranny in your life. And sure enough, yeah, it's, that's the way it works. Paul says, my heart is open. Okay? It's, it's saying there is this massive room in my heart to embrace you. Okay? And then he starts laying it out here. And, and it's, it, basically it's ten characteristics, a, 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 a series of statements that Paul lays out that I call love's ten points. Okay? And then the first one is truth. It's also in verse 11. Our mouth has spoken freely to you. Stop right there. See, some would say the Apostle Paul didn't love him. But Paul says, I love you so much that I spoke freely to you. Okay? Now, you've got to be careful with this, and I'll explain it, because I, I know everybody's question comes rolling through, because I get it all the time. Listen, true love, God-empowered love, tells the truth. Okay? True love, telling the truth, does not hold back anything that is important. It does not hold back anything that is beneficial. Keep that in mind. All right? Let me show you a text. 20th chapter of Acts. Paul saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. He's in Meltius. He sent for the Ephesians and called them to him, the elders of the church. And when he got there, he says, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time. Okay. Serving the Lord in all humility. You've seen it. with And with tears. You've seen it. And with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink back. Now, think about what he's saying here. How I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house. Okay, that is true love. That is love that steps out there and says, my love for you is I will not hold anything back. I will not hold back from you something that is profitable. Okay, love. The love the Apostle Paul says that you must have in ministry does not withhold. It opens your mouth. Listen, this is so simple, but it gets so confusing for us. When the heart is filled with love, love will make that heart speak. Right? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, out of the fullness of the heart. Speaks the mouth. All right. If your heart is full of love, then it will speak forth. It will speak forth truth. When that happens, the heart is full. The mouth has to speak. And when that it is true love, then it will speak honestly. It will speak truth. Okay. Now I'm going to give you caution here. When I start saying it speaks honestly, it speaks truth. The first thing comes up that everybody thinks about. Does these pants make my butt look big? He said, love says I'm going to speak truth. Okay. (laughs) Love and truth because of that love speaks truth. Honestly, in three things. Okay, one, it speaks truth about God. Have you ever sat and listened to somebody um, explain to you spiritual things that are not true? Okay, if you love them, what's your response? You smile at them real big. Look him right in the eye and say, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, don't do it that way. I did that once and said, man, I need to fine tune that. It will speak truth about God. There are times, I guarantee you, everyone in this room, there's been times when someone has spoken something goofy that is a lie spiritually and you did not straighten it out. Because you said you loved them and didn't want to have a conflict with them. That's not love, people. That's not love. Second thing is, true love will speak to the object of that love, to that person. You truly love them, then you will speak of God and to them honestly. Honestly. But true love will also speak to yourself and speak of yourself, and you will do it in truth also. If love is really love, it's going to be honest. It's going to be true. This is key. This is absolutely key. This is one of the things for me in my years as a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ that drives me nuts. We don't spend enough time in the Word of God to be able to speak truth in love. We don't do it. We have no idea. I don't know what it says. So somebody comes up with something. Well, you know, that sounds good to me. You know, I remember when the the last president of the United States made a statement that says, Allah, Jehovah, and God, they're all the same. I thought I was going to blow a head gasket. They ain't the same. The Muslims don't even believe that. No, you can't do that. That's a lie. It's sort of like, have you ever heard this? Well, the Palestinians are actually Philistines. No, they're not. They were given that name by the English. They called it the land of Palestine. The Philistines were obliterated centuries ago. There aren't any Philistines. Them and the Mayan are on the same calendar. Do you understand it? But nobody says it. Well, yeah, but that's an expert right there. Really? You know, I've got to do the same thing Jesus said. Have you not read? Gee, many crickets. You know, I hear, well, who are the Palestinians? Edomites. You know what? The Palestinians are direct relatives to the Israelis. Ever heard of Esau and Jacob? Now, I can't say there wasn't some sibling rivalry things going on, but still going on. But do you see what I'm trying to get at? True love says no. That's not true. See, real love speaks of God. Real love speaks to the person, the object of that love. Real love will speak honestly of itself. And that is what real love is. And that is what, if you look at the Apostle Paul's life, isn't that what he did? You know what? There are too many in the body of Christ right now who believe that it is not loving to confront sin. And I, do you realize that that comes right out of the pit of hell? Let them continue in their sin. Really? Really? See, truth is loving. We are to speak the truth in love. But you don't compromise truth for the sake of love. Remember the apostle Paul? He says, I I didn't come to speak in man's wisdom. I didn't come to you speaking of man's cleverness or cleverness of speech. I didn't come with philosophy. I came and I called you to repentance. You are an enmity to God. You are a point of wrath to God. God. I was reading back through uh, Jonathan Edwards' sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, and there's a part that just impacted me, and it says, God has notched His arrow, His bow is pulled back to your utter destruction, and it is only by His good pleasure you're not destroyed. Dude, that'll get your attention that get your attention. Throw that out of the center and watch what happens. He called to repentance and he never withheld the counsel of God. Never did. To the Ephesian elders, I gave you the full counsel of God. I gave you everything you need to walk with Jesus Christ. First, in Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 13. For we write nothing else to you than what we read and understand, and I hope you will understand until the end. What did he give them? Nothing extra. It's like, I was sharing in my Sunday school class, there's a big movement right now to reach men. Men, men have always been difficult. Okay? They're the spiritual leaders, and they've advocated their positions. They don't read the Bible, and so it's probably better off they're not leading anyway. But the truth of the matter is, God designed it that they are the place of authority in our societies. I know you may not like it, but that's the way God designed it. And if you don't like His design, take it up with the designer. But that's the way He designed it. Okay? And, but I've, I've watched in my years that it's tough to get men to step up. I mean, you can badger them. You can manipulate them. You know, move their emotions or something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, remember the promise keepers. Well, I guess they're still going on or other, you know, a friend of mine went to the Washington DC rally and I said, well, what was it like? He says, well, it felt like a pep rally for Jesus. Well, that doesn't work for me. Okay. But now we're reaching them through fantasy football. Okay. And I hear all of these great reports. We have 75 men in our men's group. Well, what are you doing? Fantasy football. Why didn't I think of that? Okay, do you understand fantasy football is nothing but gambling? It's a pool. So I've gotten ready. All you men get ready. March Madness is coming and I'm going to get our bracket. You know, and we're all going to get saved. Really? We're all going to walk in holiness. Really? Do you say they see football? That's nuts. Okay? These are the kinds of things that I sit and I watch all of this and I sit there and go, I, but you give them truth. And then Holy Spirit deals with it. My word goes forth and accomplishes exactly what God sent it for. Listen, you roll truth. Why? Because if you roll truth, what's the agenda? God's agenda. So there's no hidden agenda. There's no hidden meanings. No, it's truth. It's just right there. Don't dun, dun. read it. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 13. But having the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we also speak. Listen, when we speak truth, we gotta to have to give truth about sin. Okay? It's not that somebody's morally challenged. They're a sinner. They do not have some disease. They're a sinner. I have heard this over and over again and they've even come up with new ones today that I'm like, wow man, that's pretty cool. I mean Tiger Woods, I have a sexual addiction. So is that a disease? Yeah, it's a sexual disease. But not that kind. Do you see what I mean? No, it's sin. It's sin. That's the tragedy that is out there. I speak truth. Okay, it's sin. Well, you know, I have an incurable disease of alcoholism. No, it's sin. It's not a disease. The disease is sin. But I have a cure for it. Are you interested? You give the truth about the gospel. This is the good news. But listen, you have to give the bad news first. That's sin. Okay. You've got a bill coming due to God for your sinfulness. It will only take you eternity to pay it off. Okay. But let me tell you about the good news. The good news now. Jesus Christ paid the full penalty. I have, listen, he was, if you think about the apostle Paul and the church in Corinth, that church was a mess. It was arrogant, puffed up. And Paul confronted all of those. He came against their pride. He says, you guys have got to get this right. Read first Corinthians and think about some poor pastor having to stand up to a congregation of Corinthian believers and read that first letter. You ain't going to get no applause. I don't even want to talk about the one letter. We don't have the severe letter. But he didn't hold it back. He always gave truth. And let me tell you something. Just a little footnote for you. Most of the time. Truth hurts. Okay. But how great is the love. That doesn't hold back truth. He and Do you know that you're not going to believe this, that the Apostle Paul multiple times even confronted whether they were really Christians. That one there has caused me more heartache than anything that I've ever done is when I make the statement, you don't look saved. How dare you? Well, I'm just telling you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8. We can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. If you love somebody, you tell them the truth about God, about what his word is. That's why I keep telling people, read the Bible. Read the Bible. In case that didn't get it through, read the Bible. You know, what part? All of it. You know how, you know what is a tragedy? How many, don't raise your hand, how many have read the Bible cover to cover? I've read the whole book cover to cover. And you know what? I started finding out about that and and it was, it was a little nauseating. How many have read it cover to cover? And that, and I keep thinking, if I'm going to give truth, I probably should have at least read it once. What does his word say? What is God's standard? Because one of the things that I've watched is we've raised grace up so we can bring God's standard down. Okay, truth of the matter is you keep God's standard up. How big is grace? The standard don't change. God is unchanging. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And they're going to be that way. So what is his standards? What is his requirements? You give truth. This is what he requires. If you don't do that, can you really say you love somebody? Do you love them enough to bring them into the knowledge of the truth of God? If you don't, then you don't love them very much. Love doesn't hide saving truth. Nor does love hide sanctifying truth. We've done that. We'll give you saving truth, but once you say the prayer, walk the aisle, and get dunked, you don't have to do nothing. You can go back and live just like you were. Because once saved, you're always saved. The problem is, we're not getting the one saved. Because if you are once saved, then you're living in sanctifying truth. Love speaks it. Love carries it. He cares so deeply for the love of that object and that person. It speaks truth to confront that person's sin. Paul did that. Read 1 Corinthians. That's all that book is. He deals with their sin. He deals with it straight up. He deals with it face on. Okay? And I mean, it all comes in the essence of pride. That's what he starts with. You're boasting. If I boast in anything, I boast in Christ. Oh, no, I boast. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. No, man, I'm of Cephas. And of course, the real spiritual ones. but I'm of Jesus It's all pride. When you have the perversion of the spiritual gifts, it was pride that was perverting it. Look at me, look at me, look at me. It's the same thing you see today, but we don't confront it. Love is candid. And love is extraordinarily candid to the ones it loves. And you know what? When you bring truth to bear then it will cut across a broad swath from family members, friendships, even in the church. It just runs right across it. Why? It's truth. You know, I listen to people and they say, well, my ministry is more for this kind of person, or my ministry is more for this kind of person, or my ministry is more for... You know what? Truth isn't that way. Truth doesn't do that. Truth says, I don't care who you are. You can take truth to the four corners of the globe and it's still going to be truth. I don't care if the person has a lot of money or no money. I don't care if the person is highly educated or not educated. You bring the truth to bear on it because you do it because of the love of God is poured into your hearts. You bring it to bear and it will hit them straight on face up. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. But as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. He didn't tell one person this gospel, another person this gospel. There's no hypocrisy in truth. You can't change it. It rolls straight forward. There's not a an individual. You do not move the gospel so it fits the individual. Uh, you know, what do they call that thing? Uh, where they... Uh, Look at your society. What kind of people do? How many white picket fences do you have? What's the income basis of it? I don't remember what they call it. Demographic study. Okay. I know people who are doing that. And they're gearing the gospel for demographic study. Listen, they're either lost or they're saved. By the way, if they're lost or they're saved, they all all need the same thing. You still give them truth. Sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. Okay. How do you get them into pearly gates? Truth. So, it's really cool. God says, listen, you guys can't handle complicated things. I'll give you one book. And we'll go out and get a whole bunch of books about that one book. And we'll stand in line to read the books about that one book. But we won't read that one book. And it is the power of God to salvation. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The law of the Lord will perfect the soul. That's amazing to me. The largest book in the Bible is what? Book of Psalms. Largest chapter in the Bible is what? Psalm 119. Do you know what the topic of Psalm 119 is? Give you three guesses, bet you can't. The book! So I'm thinking if the biggest book and the biggest chapter is focused on the Word of God, hello? I should pay attention. Chapter 7 of 2 Corinthians. In case you were wondering if he has a theme, verse 8 For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, for I see that the letter caused you sorrow. Drop down to verse 10. For sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But sorrow of the world produces death. Okay? He's sorry he had to confront their sin. He knew that it hurt. And it does. Anybody confronts your sin, I guarantee you, you get a little burr under your saddle. Okay? You know, I've had people who listen to me preach almost 20 years ago and they hear me preach now and they say, wow, you've gotten better. And the first part you think of is, what do you mean I've gotten better? And then you think about it, you say, well, you better be getting better <laughs> after that many years. Okay? But see, that's the kind of stuff that you and I have to pay attention to. We give truth. We just roll it out. We just roll it out. Okay? And when we do, we're giving the truth of God. Okay? But we're also going to confront that person. It's direct and it's honest. I don't have to. I don't have to wonder what he meant by that. That drives me nuts too. And you know what? It gets me in trouble. I've, there's times. Am I the only person who says, "No, this is exactly what I mean"? Or does everybody have to speak in some kind of code? And I didn't get the memo on it. I just stand here. This is what the Bible says. This is what the apostle Paul did. This is how Paul did it. And you know what? Laid up for him was crown of righteousness for all who would believe. Sounds all right to me. That is what love does. Love always speaks to truth about the person's condition, the object of your love, your affections. Okay, but listen, it also speaks about itself. Okay? Paul said, I opened my heart to you. Okay? My mouth has to let it out because my heart is so open. So what you're hearing is the depths of my heart speaking. Now that freaks people out. I don't care who you are. Paul is saying, can you hear me? I mean, we're only in chapter six. You can just cursory glance through the first six chapters and see the depth of Paul's heart and the depth of his love for these Corinthians. And let's be realistic. These Corinthians are not high on the list of, you guys gotta figure it out. They're hurting this man. And yet he's unrelenting. I love you, I have been truthful with you, and there is nothing hidden. I have withheld nothing. There is no deception. I am not here for manipulation. I am not here for my own agenda. I am here to lift you up, a holy and precious, unblemished unto Jesus Christ your Savior. That's the passion of this man's heart. I have suffered, Paul said, in much afflictions. In the country, to the Jews, from Gentiles, from robbers. I've been stoned, I've been shipwrecked. And it's all because of you. I have laid my life on the line. Paul says, it is my heart you're hearing. Listen well. Listen well. Why? He's overwhelmed by truth. Truth has filled his heart. Because of his love for these people. And he speaks forth truth. Love speaks from the depth of the heart. There's no shallowness here. There's no boundaries here. I'm not, you know, people. I am passionate about the word of God. In case you had not figured that out yet. Okay. That is passionate about me. And people will say, well, when you're out and about, you're you're more quiet. You're more reserved. You're still saying. Still same. OK, I'm just not standing up and saying all week long I've been studying this and you're about to get a dump truck on you. OK, just still saying the passion of my heart is the truth. And with that truth, I share it. I'll stop. I share it with lost people. I share it with saved people. I share it with those who are mad at me. I'll share it with those who ain't mad at me. Paul held nothing back that needed to be said. I have people come in to me sometimes that want me to work on their motorcycles, and they've know they said, well, "Well, we hear you're a preacher," and I said, "Yeah, yep, that's my real job." And they said, "Well," and then all of a sudden they shift into spiritual. I mean, they literally—it's a tilt your head kind of thing—but they all do it. I mean, you just you're like, "Wow, oh, that hurts!" And then they want to explain to me their spiritual expertise. And, you know, no. You know, I just look at my eyes straight in the eye and say, that's not in the Bible. Well, it's gotta be in the Bible. Well, it may gotta be, but it ain't. Okay, and, well, how do you know? I've read mine. How about you? Do you ever get past the one picture of the cross? You know, it's on the front cover. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? I, you can't back off a of truth. You speak of God as the person. Who is he? What does he do? But you have to speak to the person, the individual that you say you love. You know what? I can stand up here and say, I love every one of you. But if I withhold truth from you or I don't correct you, guess what? I don't love you. I mean, that's why nobody wants to hang out with me. I don't know. But but I'm going to say truth. But you know what? I would expect you to do it back. All right? I'm not immune. I'm not sinless. I got up this morning and kicked the edge of my bed. I was not sinless. I was ready to blow that bed up. But my wife was in it. And she'd probably got You just blew me up. I was aiming for the bed. guess I should have turned the light on. Okay, but you see what I'm trying to get at? You you confront it. Why? You immerse yourself in truth. So when you see falsehood, you can say, that ain't true. You know, I hear him talk about God in ways that I'm like, where did you come up with that idea? If you just try real hard, he'll let you in. Really? Can you tell me exactly where in the Bible it says that? Because I got into trouble in our denomination. Where does it say, say the sinner's prayer and you'll be saved? Where does it say that? Well, but it's of the heart. Here we go again. I just look them in the eyes Say, you have not read. Speak the truth. Listen, and how can you... You know, the the amazing thing, I think, with the Corinthians, to me, is how could you not see the Apostle Paul hadn't bared his soul? What did he withhold? He wouldn't even take money from them. And that was a very wealthy community, Corinth. That's where the freed slaves, Rome, would give you a plot of land, and then they had a a huge business industry. Part of it was uh, shipping and transportation, but you could come into the port on one side and move your goods and move it up to the mainland of, uh, of the Greek peninsula or they had the isthmus that they would actually carry ships across or the cargo across and load them into a ship on the other side. But the, 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 there was good money being made in Corinth and he didn't do any money from them. How could they have doubted his love? I want to close with this. He makes a statement here that's really kind of cool. I wanted to save this for last. I know it's in the middle of the verse, but get over it. I've opened my mouth, spoke freely to you, my heart is wide open. Then he has a little phrase right in the middle. O Corinthians. O Corinthians. It is very difficult for me to try to give you what the interpretation of this is. You see it in Galatians chapter three, verse one. Oh, Galatians! You see it in Philippians chapter four, verse five. Oh, Philippians! It and its structure, it has it, it, it has an, an intense feelings. It has to be based on a deep emotion. I mean, when he's at the Galatians, he says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? What you've begun in the spirit, you're now perfected in the flesh. He, he's just overwhelmed because his love for him is this intense. It's to the fiber of his soul. And that's what he's saying here. Oh, Corinthians. I am overwhelmed by the intensity of my passion for you. I have spoken freely to you. I have opened my heart wide to you. All this I have been saying is out of the depths of my heart. You know what we call it today? He's being vulnerable. He ain't hiding nothing. There ain't nothing held back here, people. Oh, Corinthians! I open my mouth and I speak freely to you. My heart is open wide to you. That's the immensity of truth. And you have seen the truth of the very depth of my heart. That's the evidence of his love. Evidence of true love. It's truth. Truth holds nothing back. Okay. Now the great question is do these pants make my butt look big? You just look them in the eye and say oh sweetie I'm compelled to hold nothing back. You really want that answer? Truth compels me to not hold anything back. Let's pray on that one. Father, we come before your throne, the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, uh, I look into this man's heart and I am overwhelmed to see the love of God our Creator poured into a repentant sinner's heart. And Father, how that same spirit is in our hearts. Help us be overwhelmed, Lord. Help us to open our mouth and speak freely truth. But, Father, take each of our hearts and open them wide to the passion of the ministry, the passion of your truth, and the passion of those you would bring in our lives. May you be glorified in each of us, individually and collectively. May your power overwhelm us. In Christ's name. Amen.